Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. And on today's episode, we have another hunt cast coming to you fresh from the horse's mouth. And today, my special horse is Chris Picano. Chris is not new to the show. He was a guest back in early 2022 on the uh, fatherhood episode that I did with him in Dallas Kempton. But he's back to talk about some hunt stuff. Chris, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back again, Corey. It's an honor. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to start off. You, I know you introduced yourself and everything when we did the fatherhood episode. But for anyone who's new to the podcast or maybe hasn't listened to that fatherhood episode, why don't you do a little introduction of your of yourself, who you are? So as Corey said, I'm Chris Picano. Um, I've actually had the pleasure of knowing Corey since middle school. We played some youth league football together and kind of yeah. grew up and then grew apart and then came back together and stood in my wedding by my side. And since then, our friendship has flourished. And now I get the <laughs> opportunity to discuss some great hunting stories with Corey on this podcast. And it's it's an honor. I'm a school teacher. It's my first year ever I've gone hunting. Really, I guess you should say first year I've harvested a kill and I'm excited to share my experience with everybody. Yeah. So going into the, the whole hunting experience, I want to, my first question for you is growing up, what was your exposure to the hunting world? Did you know anyone who did it? Did you ever do it growing up? Um, and what did that look like? Um, so my father did it briefly. Um, he would go up with my grandpa and help my grandpa fill tags and, you know, just get venison, but he was not a hunter. He didn't care for the gutting. It was just disgusting. And he would tell people if he shoots a deer, he's leaving it unless you want to gut it. And so we were never really brought out into that world. I mean, we grew up shooting like rabbits and squirrels with pellet guns, or if there was a raccoon roaming in my grandpa's yard and it was in the middle of the day he's like let's go out and shoot it so it was never really i never had the experience of shooting an animal for like nutritional purposes and for food and feeding my family it was all for like fun and games or getting rid of a varmint that was possibly sick or you know destroying property that my grandpa had so i never really had like the full hunting experience i just kind of grew up just shooting things that shouldn't be where they were at i guess you should say but your grandpa he was a deer hunter he was he would park his airstream in the middle of the woods and (laughs) cut random windows into it and just kind of put some plywood over and when they go back up they'd sit in the airstream as their little blind and they would just let the deer come to them they'd plant around there i know it's illegal but they would plant crops around and all the deer would just walk up nice and close and i mean if you missed you're an idiot but <laughs> he grew up doing that but he was he was one of those that that nose to tail kind of mentality mm. whatever that deer gave you you're eating it all we're not wasting anything and it was kind of weird growing up eating you know bone broth and uh, deer heart and he would eat it raw like he wouldn't even care if it was cooked so 
it threw me off a little bit at that point, kind of underneath him, not understanding like nutritional values and stuff of raw organs. You just saw him bite into a heart and you're like, I'm going to go throw up. I'll see you later. <laughs> and if it's still there, when I get back, I'm, I, I got to leave the kitchen. Well, I'll give, I don't know if I met this grandpa or not. I met quite a bit of your extended family, but I'll tell you what props to him because man, I don't even think I could take a bite out of a raw heart like that. So that's intense. <laughs> Uh, that dude, that man, if there was roadkill on the side of the road, if you passed it for more than a week, he'd end up picking it up oh, and then gross. trying to find a way to salvage the meat. He did not care yeah. at all. Like He'd hit a deer. He wouldn't even call anybody. He'd paid for the damages, throw the deer in the back of the truck. And just take yeah. it like He would purposely try to hit a deer in the road. Well, I'll definitely say at this point, if I, can, so, if I come across a fresh roadkill deer, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come home with me, uh, especially if I hit it because... I'll be damned if it goes to waste, uh, but I would not, I would never venture after a week to, to pick up some roadkill. So you had some exposure to hunting and, and, and whatever, but your dad didn't really do it. He wasn't really into it. Last year, you went with me for the first time, but prior to that, had you thought about it? Had, I mean, was there any uh, intrigue or positives that you viewed on it going into like before last year when I took you out? Yeah, so and I never had much any thought about hunting before you and I really started talking about it. Um, as like I would admit to, I'd cry if I ran over a turtle. Like to me, I never thought killing an animal would be worth it, especially if it was an animal that really had nothing to, you know, it, it never any harm to me. I guess you should say, besides running out in the road and me almost hitting it. Um, and it wasn't really until you started explaining to me about like the benefits of venison and how pure it is and, you know, the raw organs and all the minerals and vitamins that come from just eating that. And then it really, really didn't hit me until you gave us some backstraps. And I think my son was maybe, you know, one at the time and grilled it up, threw it in front of him, and he ate about six ounces worth. And I was like, you know what? It's it's time. Like it, it needs to happen. Like I can't just go and buy venison from the store or keep borrowing it from people because at some point they're gonna hate me. And now it's to a point where he will just eat the venison right out of a bowl and he does not care if it's cold, if it's warm, like he will just walk up to the fridge, open it up, grab it, bring it out. And as I sent you that video before, it was a a proud dad moment. Your son's just digging into the venison meat and it's just fresh out of the fridge. I guess you should say not so much fresh. It was probably cooked a couple days ago, but it, it's still beneficial for him, especially with all how foods are so processed nowadays. And you want him to grow up with a good nutrition lifestyle and have that benefit of what pure good meat can be. And it's it just it changes the way you look at things and it's like you said it's not a you're not killing for game you're not killing for fun you're killing to feed your family and once i kind of wrapped my brain around that it made it a little bit easier to kind of get on board with the whole hunting idea and possibly killing an animal which i was able to do this year yeah yeah as i we grew up together in a lot of ways we went to middle school and high school together and I didn't hunt growing up. My parents didn't do it. My grandparents, my mom, my mom's dad did. And, you know, my that whole side of the family did. And I think I shared a lot of those similar views for a long time of why is this necessary? There's no real point because I can go and buy 
meat at the grocery store and it, you know whatever it's cruel it's unnecessary and i and the more i started to learn a i liked guns and i needed sort of a reason to to buy guns because <laughs> what's the point of buying guns if you're not going to use them and so exactly like i needed a reason and then i started learning more about the nutritional benefits of wild game and it gets into this whole thing of like you're talking about your son who is not, I mean, yeah, he's thinking and, and he knows some things that are going on, but he doesn't know what's good or what's bad, but he knows by nature, I think this food that's in front of me is, it comes from nature. It's good, wholesome stuff. And he ate, he just ate it like crazy. And my nieces, exactly. I have the sim, some very similar experience when they were younger, like Cora to this day, her favorite food or one of her favorite foods is deer meat she said we're gonna eat deer and mm. they don't know i mean they don't know why or whatever but it's that same idea the, the kids just know that it's good and we didn't grow up with it so it's yeah. a little different getting into it so last year 2021 uh you came up to cadillac with me and i took you out Tell me a little bit about that experience. Um, I know you you hadn't been out really hunting at all prior to that, but what was your experience with that outing? How did it go? What how what were your thoughts about how it all went? So, I mean, on the way there, we almost had our first deer at five a.m. in the morning. After That's right. The yeah. car, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're awake enough to actually avoid, which was awesome. But um, it, I think my first experience was great. Um, we went out to Apsi Farms, and you know, private farm. You don't got to worry about people walking around or anything like that. And you know, it it at one point it felt boring in a sense. Then all of a sudden, it started getting a little bit lighter, and you we saw our first deer. And I knew I wasn't taking that shot. And even just sitting next to you and hearing that safety just click to where you're ready to fire, even though it was probably a little too far out of reach for us, um, my heart started racing. And I was like, hmm, this adrenaline's actually kind of interesting. Like, I never really thought, like, I'd have this, like, oh, my gosh, here, it's going to happen. Like, I'm going to watch my first deer go down. And, you know, you and I, we passed up on it, and we really didn't get to see anything. And then you took me to the other side of it all where you get to walk around like state land and you can stalk a little bit and you were kind of showing me around like hey this is where a buck was at like it was rubbing its antlers up against the tree and you were kind of kind of giving me different um how should i say different tips and tricks to look about where that deer might have been and show me past where they were crossing the trail and that one was a little more interesting i would say because we were moving so much and walking and stalking and it was fun and even though we kind of did that at apsi it, it wasn't like the adrenaline rush of like this deer can just pop out of nowhere like we kind of knew when we were there like they're in the swamp and they're kind of just hanging out and we either have to spook them out of the swamp and then it's like a shoot as i run across a field kind of ordeal and when you walked me through state land, even though you had to piggyback me over a creek, um, <laughs> yes. it was a little more action packed. Like we always had our rifles ready to go. Like it was one of those things where a deer could just cross in front of us and we're just going to have to lift our gun and shoot and just hope mm -hmm. for the best that we hit in the best spot. And after all of that, and even after the fact that you and I didn't get a deer that day and you got yours a couple weeks later. I still had that urge of, all right, like I've seen them. I know they're there. 
I'm going to get one. I just have to wait for my time. And once I was able to process all of that, it made the hours of stalking, the hours of just sitting there much more meaningful than just like, all right, come on, like the, come on, dad, I'm bored. Like, let me leave. Like (laughs) you and I were able to bond we were able to talk about a lot of things. You were teaching me a lot of new stuff that I had zero idea about that you just learned. And it was kind of like when you and I, when you were teaching me how about bourbon and stuff like that, like it, it felt like you were mentoring me and you were at least making it interesting to where I felt still engaged, even though my finger never hit the trigger once mm-hmm. on that rifle. Yeah. So it was in, in hindsight, I can see why people think it's boring because you could sit out there for hours and never see a deer. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, you're, you're at one with what's around you. It's no sound. It's just birds and trees and the, the leaves blowing through the wind. And you're, you're at peace, I guess you should say. Yeah. So it was for sure. It, it was I, a good beneficial experience. Yeah. I, that was fun. That first day we did see, we saw the deer and we passed it up. Cause we, I think, you know, I was hoping that more were going to show up and, um, mm-hmm. more didn't show up. So that was, you know, but that's, again, you can't control, you can't control everything, but it was at that point, man, I had been, so 2020 came around and I was really getting into hunting pretty heavy, but I had really no idea what I was doing. I had never hunted by myself. And I finally said, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go out and I'm just going to try to do this on my own. I had some advice from a coworker and he was giving me some, uh, I guess, satellite advice. He wasn't out with me doing the stuff, but I just went out and tried to figure it out. And I was pounding the pavement trying to do it and out on public land. and. Hunting on public land and private land, we've talked about on Huntcast before, is a whole different bag of cats, depending on what you're doing. But uh, yeah, it was interesting coming into 2021 with you because I had already had a quite a bit of frustration on my own trying to figure some shit out because I was coming from a knowledge base of basically nothing. And so when I was with you, I was able to share some stuff, but I still hadn't even I hadn't had a successful harvest yet, and I was still learning and still am. Um, and so it was fun for me to like teach you the little bit that I knew and try to get, you know, get you a little bit into it. And, uh, so yeah, that, that was all, that was all good. It was a good first experience, despite the fact that we're not successful. And like you just said, you always kind of, you end up learning that hunting is less about killing an animal and more about enjoying the experience along the way, because 99% of the time you're going to go out and not shoot anything. And that's, that's just how it goes. And so you have to be able to find joy and fulfillment in other ways while you're out there. Oh, I learned this tonight. I did this today. I, you know, whatever that's, that was a big thing for me is like, it's just so frustrating. I just want to shoot a deer. And then I, but I wasn't focused on how much growth I was experiencing and uh, once you kind of flip that script a little bit, it's a game changer. So mm-hmm. let's fast forward a little bit because we had spent, you know, the end of the tail end of 2021 talking about hunting and, you know, trying to plan it for the following year. And then 2022 rolls around and kind of the same story, the the prep. As soon as the season ends, the prep for the next season begins. And I started to get really into bow hunting. And so I I mean drastically learned like an astronomical amount more 
So we get into uh, we're getting ready for rifle season and you're planning on, you know, making your trip up again. You upgraded on some gear and that type of stuff. Do you want to share anything you learned as far as like um, equipment and some of the things that maybe you because when you showed up to hunt with me in 2021, I think you just had like construction clothes on basically (laughs) and like an orange an orange football hat. So when you came in in 2022, you had a little bit more hunting kit. So what were some of the improvements mm-hmm. that you made in that area? Because we love to talk about gear on HuntCast. So share some of that with us. So when we first hunted, it's like you said, construction clothes. So I do plumbing. So I had like my work pants on. I had like four different layers of hoodies. I had my <laughs> dad's old orange. Like I look like a freaking pumpkin. And I mean, you could see me from probably space, so how much orange I had on. But even though private land, you're probably not going to get shot unless you, you know, you're feeling a little um, frisky. But um, <laughs> basically, throughout the prepping time, I ended up earning some origin, um, just their hoodie camo, um, their kilo. Uh, I think it was at Woodland. And that was probably my base start to all of it, just because. You know, you highly recommended the company made in America. It's good product. You're supporting America again. And to me, I feel like that's super beneficial, especially when you're trying to help an economy that who knows where this might go. So I ordered that and that was great. I ordered a large thinking that'd be fine because I've, you know, slimmed out a little bit, but I mean, it was tight. And so I ended up trading it in, getting an XL and it was Awesome. And I think this year, hopefully in their Charlie base or their Charlie layer comes out. So I actually can have launch a nice it in February. And- Charlie layer oh, launches February. in February, boy. Yep. Might have to get it. And um, I, I thought about getting their pants, but I know their pants are more geared towards like the bow hunting and stuff like that. So I'm kind of waiting yeah. for more of their winter stuff to come out so I can stay yep. warm, especially if we're walking around. I'm kind of getting into bow hunting. I ended up buying a bow from a buddy and i know that's a lot more you know strategy and technique and understanding of what's going on and so kind of that one might be a little more down the road until i get myself a little more i guess you say a little more experience underneath my belt especially with a rifle because that's a little easier to shoot um my wife actually gave me permission to build an ar-15 platform rifle um chambered in 350 legend and so that was a lot of fun i have a lot of friends who work at a um a gun shop that's local for us so they all kind of came together and gave me bits and pieces on what they think is best for this best is that and actually it was a pretty lightweight rifle and with your help Mm -hmm. i got a nice scope and putting that gun all together i ordered a suppressor i'm still waiting for my suppressor atf please hurry up um you're 90 days yeah, the alive. fbi agent that's um, listening right now <laughs> Let's exactly now. you know there's got to be one somewhere and so um i ended up just throwing a basic comp on there just for the season cited it in and so and we actually we got a nice deal on some lacrosse boots and those were yep. a big 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 game changer because the boots i wore the year before i actually ended up stepping in a swamp and if you can remember correctly i had the cloth layer of the boot out the window as we're jamming to tenacious d ripping by school buses and i mean it it looked a little hillbilly-ish but i mean we had some fun with it so i mean gear wise i'm pretty i guess you say when it comes to clothing and apparel i have a ways to go i mean i'm still kind of wearing some of my work stuff and keeping warm with a lot of my old athletic apparel that isn't probably the best, but it works, especially Mm -hmm. when you wear white and we'll probably get to that in a little bit. And, um, 
But rifle-wise, I have a rifle that it's going to work down here, which is great, especially if I ended up figuring out how to hunt public land and find a good piece of land to hunt. And then yeah. if I ever come up to you, my goal is to have a nice longer rifle, you know, more of a yep. precision rifle in a sense that, you know, you and I talk about the Sig Cross rifle all the time. But just have something so when you and I go up there, I can stretch that thing out to 400 yards and still get a deer. Because if I think that first deer you and I saw the first time we hunted was probably 300 yards away and the 450 probably wouldn't have made it your 308 would have been fine yeah Yeah. but my i mean if we were better shooters i guess you should say but um a 6.5 creed more something with a little more like punch and distance and a carry and velocity at 300 yards would be super beneficial when we're up with you so i'm kind of hoping to build a little more of an arsenal and especially if you and I make that trip out West and we do backpacking and stuff like that. It might be good to have a rifle that it can stretch yeah, long distance. You're definitely going to want that. Yeah. <laughs> and be a little more potent versus a stretched out nine millimeter as a 350. And yeah. you know, it, it's going to pack a punch at 150, 200 yards. After that, it's like a pellet hitting a wall. It's not really going to do Pretty too much. much, you know? Yeah. It's so, interesting to building. To, it's just, it's time. The, the biggest reason I wanted you to share that is because, you, especially as being a, a very new hunter, like, you, I mean, newer than me even, and I was, I'm still new, really, um, it, things go in waves. You kind of, you start with some basic stuff that can keep you warm and, you know, you might be wearing some work clothes and some boots that aren't necessarily maybe made for hunting, but you do what you can with what you have and you just start to build. That was the exact same thing that I did. You know, I had a rifle. And I had some, you know, old, it was like you said, old athletic gear, basically, and uh, made the best of it. And over the years, I'm going, you know, mm-hmm. be going into my fourth season consistently hunting. Um, it was just a slow process of acquiring stuff. And then this past year, obviously, I made the investment with all the origin camo and, and all the, the archery equipment and all that. So I, I wanted to share, I wanted you to share that because, so people understand that it's a journey, especially like with gear and equipment, you start with very little and you just start to accumulate it. And then when you know, like, okay, this is going to be a part of my life and I'm sold and I'm into it, then, you know, go wild, do, do what's going to feel right and get what you want. Um, but that's part of the fun. That's part of the process. And when you start to get really into it, gear, as you guys know, if you listen to Huntcast, like Tristan and I talk about gear a lot and it's something that when you, it's a, it's just such a crazy rabbit hole that you can dive down. But, um, yeah, ta- talking about guns and all that's always fun. So, yeah, good stuff. You came in with some, well, like, speaking some about waterproof boots and, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, like, speaking about your, your water hole and everything like that you're talking about, like, I have friends who get into hunting and they spend three, four, five, six thousand dollars on just gear and they never wear it. So yeah. it's like, I think buying it piece by piece and understanding what you're actually going to need is a smart way of doing it instead exactly. of just diving head first. So I just wanted to add that in because I was thinking about that. Yeah, it's true. that And like, I remember you and I talked about this a couple of times because I bought basically the entire Origin lineup this year, but, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, why don't you just buy more? It's good stuff. It's worth it, whatever. And then your argument back, which is totally valid is, I don't know if this is something long-term that I'm going to want to do. So why am I going to buy all this stuff? I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I get that because I was there too. So that that 100% makes sense. But um, yeah, so you got some gear, you got a gun, you like you're a little more well outfitted and, and ready to go. 
So I want you to to tell the story of the day that you came up and we hunted together um, and you experienced uh, some success. And I just I'd walk us through it. Tell the story. Um, and I'm going to shut up and let you do it. Well, I think the story starts in the morning. I mean, we went to a different blind and, you know, we saw some deer and you and I were talking. I was ordering Christmas presents for my dad from Apsy because we were there figuring a nice ribeye and stuff like that would be good to bring home. And, you know, we, we kind of got a little bit of kind of a little kick to the genitals. If you think about it, we couldn't really see anything, nothing really worthwhile. And, you know, some kind of far away, but it wasn't worth the shot. And kind of morale was a little bit low and you know we left and went home got a nice workout in at the gym and i think we kind of felt a little bit better heading back out and you're like let's go try the old spot where we saw deer before and actually where you got your first kill and so we started making the trek out there and we saw some deer pretty far away but i mean not in the spot that we usually sit in and we ended up coming up over the hill and there were three in the field and we were nowhere near the blind we were probably within 250 yards i would say so that's when the heart started pounding um you and i both were you know we're contemplating all day like if we see a group of deer do we do we time a shot correctly so both you and i can walk home with one and like stuff like that to at least put something in our fridge and you're like no this is yours you're getting your first kill you know, we kept stalking and being like super slow and taking our time. And I think we got in probably about 130 yards away. I can't, I mean, rangefinder was not out. We were kind of just guesstimating at that point. And the three in the field and you turn and looked at me and I'm all set up, ready to go. And you're like, you got to pull the trigger. Like you got to do it. They're going to run. You got to do it. Took a deep breath in and let one rip. And, you know, you kind of close your eyes after the shots fired and you, you don't really see anything. And I turned to you. I was like, I think I missed because they all scattered. And you're like, no, like I saw impact. I just don't know how efficient it was. So you and I waited a few minutes, took a walk out there and we're like, you know, we can't find this blood trail. Like, where is this blood better? And it already snowed. So, you know, it's probably easy to see the blood. And I'm like, I missed. Like, come on. You know, I'm a little down about it walk up another 50 yards and we're like whoa and there's just mm. i mean you said it was about four feet i couldn't tell it was all fuzzy to me and i'm like all right i hit it now it's time to find it and we started following the blood trail and probably about 200 yards away you noticed it wrapped around a tree like it just kind of keeled over and fell over and you're like you know you, you got to go up to it i'm like in my mind mentally prepping myself and like this it got a little sad like as i approached it more and more taking my time making sure it was actually you know deceased and not gonna kick up on me and like spaz out and run away because it's got an adrenaline rush and as i got closer and closer like that's when the the morality my morals and values started kicking in like you just killed this animal that had no reason to be shot right now like and, you know, the tears kind of started coming down and, and in a sense, like, I didn't thank it, I guess you should say, like being thankful for what it was. It was more or less like a sigh of relief at the same time, I felt like an absolute bad person because this deer, it can't close its eyes. It's just still staring at you and you're just, what do I do? And as I got closer, you know, I took a few minutes and you came and joined me. 
and you're like, let's take a picture. And this is where it got really, really hard for me because when I was a child, I found my dog um, dead in the backyard. So, and when I went to go like poke at him and he didn't move and like the head was heavy and then I just lost my mind. I mean, this was high school. I mean, it's a child for me. I'm 30 now, but I like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't like do anything about it. Like I ran inside, told my parents, I was just a wreck because my child's a dog. So you're like, pick up the head and you know, you can move it and like bring the head and like this. I couldn't even grab the ears. Like my hands went back. Like my mind went back to that moment of like grabbing my dog. And I'm like, I can't, like I physically could not grab it. And like, I had to step away again and really think about why I did this. And once I finally remembered, I'm doing this to feed my family. I'm doing this for, you know, a healthier lifestyle. It really helped me be able to, all right, you can do this, take a step down, grab the head, you know, put a smile on you. You did your first kill. You, you, you got it out of the way. And even though it probably will never get easier and because it's not, it's you're, you're killing something, you're taking something's life. At the same time, having that in the back of my mind, remembering this is for a good thing, because if I don't do this, it could die of disease. It could be eaten by another animal. Someone else is going to do it. So I might as well take advantage and reap the benefits of what Mother Nature has for me. And I mean, if it goes all the way back to when we were first man of killing animals and eating what is around us to survive, it still should be good for us. And Again, going back to APSI, it's a regenerative agricultural farm. The deer that are living on there are eating what they should be eating, not the crap that mm-hmm. people put out for, you know, food plots and stuff like that. So once I kind of calmed everything down, you know, we dragged it all the way back to the blind, which was not fun at all. She wasn't small. Um, and we got back there, you know, you and I like sat in the blind, talked a little bit and we're like, you know what, let's just let her be out for a little bit and let's see if some more deer come. And, you know, we sat there for a little bit, nothing's happening. And then you're like, let's gut it. And that's when my heart just kind of went like, oh, here we go. Here comes the bad part about hunting. Like, I wish I could just say you do it and you take care of it. But I needed to learn. And having you there kind of showing me what to do, like, you know, making the correct cuts, going around, stuff like that was super beneficial because if I screwed up on something, you're like, no, do this. You were able to get in there, you know, cut away the fat from like the organ sack and stuff like that. And that's where I realized wearing white and hunting is not a good idea because my base layer was a white under armor. And you're like, you got to dig your hands underneath the rib cage and grab the esophagus. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I can't, I just, I can't do with what I have on. So me being an idiot and 40 degree weather, it felt warm. I'm shirtless in the middle of this field elbow deep inside this deer and i'm like where's the esophagus at like i'm looking at you like give me a minute you found it i'm like back in there grabbing at it and i it was it was an odd experience in a sense like i've never i've never done that and i've never you know gutted something or felt organs or at least like it was just weird because it's 40 degrees outside but it's like 90 to 100 degrees inside this deer you're like, yeah. this doesn't feel right. It's like an icky pool of like hot, thick water. It was just, it wasn't, <laughs> it was very disgusting in a sense. And that's what yeah. kind of, but after doing it and understanding, like, it's not that hard of a process if you just do it. And then after we got to the butcher and watching those kids who were like eight years old, just chopping heads off and legs off. I'm like, all right, if they can do it, so can I like, it's not that bad. Like I can suck it up and figure it out. 
But, you know, like you and I, as we were gutting it, you were talking about like, here's the liver, here's the heart, here's the suet, here's, like, I can't remember, what was the name of that like cagey looking fat you were talking about? The call um, fat. You can put it on like, pork. there we go, golf fat and stuff. Yeah. And you're showing me all the different organs and like, here's what you can eat. And you're like, can I keep this? I'm like, just keep whatever the hell you want. Like, I, I want the deer, I'll take the heart and I'll take the liver because I'm going to put it in my venison. And I finally actually told my wife after we've probably been through about eight or nine pounds worth of venison that, hey, there's ground <laughs> liver in this. Just FYI. Nice. Like, it's not, it's spread out throughout who knows how many pounds I got. Yeah. But she kind of gave me the look. She goes, that's why it's gamey. I go, that's why it's gamey. And I just smiled at her. I was like, but you're getting better nutrition through that liver even though you don't taste it mm-hmm. um and then the hardest part of everything i will have to say is that walk back lord knows how far it was we dragged that deer all the way back and then my s- stupid self lost my tags so you oh and i had God, to go yeah. walking back out <laughs> in the dark <laughs> you got your headlamp yeah. on i got my phone flashlight and i'm like where the hell is this and you end up finding it where we actually squatted down to like first yep. kind of discuss like, Hey, here's what we're going to do the deer over the, the hill. And once we kind of found that and we got back and, you know, everything kind of settled in. And even that night, like laying there, it, it, it was hitting me, but I wasn't upset. And I remember you and I talking like, let's see what my heart rate was. Cause I want to see like, did I spike? Did I freak out? And we went and looked at my watch and my heart rate was level. It was, I mean, it was spiked a little bit, but it wasn't like 140 beats per minute. It was like maybe 90. So it was 30 beats per minute more than my resting. And you and I were like confused because in my mind, I was anxious and freaking out. But the way my watch read it and the way my heart felt, nothing changed. It was level. Mm -hmm. So... I'm like, I, I know You're I'm not feeling a cold that blood. straight shot of adrenaline. <laughs> exactly. And I know yeah. I'm not a cold blood killer where it's like my, I guess you should say killing is easy because I have people I've talked to that have served and they're like, it's just not even fun hunting and they don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. But for me to make my first shot and for my heart rate not to go up kind of worried me a little bit. And it's more of like my physiological side of everything and how my brain and how my heart handled an, an adrenaline filled moment. And it just stayed level. But then there's times I'll be driving and I'll blow through a red light and think there's a cop behind me. My heart rate rips up and I'm like, all right, I can shoot an animal and my heart rate's content and fine. But I blow a red light on accident. No one's around me. I'm like freaking out like yeah. someone's going to catch me. So it, it kind yeah. of made me feel a little weird, I guess you should say. Sure. But yeah, it's, it was, uh, it's it a was great story. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take us back a little bit because I think your you said your heart rate didn't spike, but you were certainly experiencing a lot of adrenaline because there's a lot more to this story that makes it even better. Um, so I'm going to take us, I'm going to roll us back a little ways and fill in some of the gaps because I was there and I was pretty calm because I was helping, you know, Chris through this and so we get out to the we get out to the farm and we start walking down the hill to get into our spot and we see deer out in the there's a east field that there's no blind in but they were out there and I was like oh great they're already there that's unfortunate and I said okay we're going to circle around to the north and then come back in that way and hope maybe we can come back on them and long we spooked those ones they ran away that was all right whatever so I told Chris as we're 
coming into the field, I said, if there's deer in this field, we're not going to be able to get to the blind and we're going to have to do a little stalking. And at this point, I had been bow hunting for like a month and, you know, almost a month and a half. And so I had gotten somewhat decent at attempting to stalk. And so we come over the ridge into this east, uh, like a northeast field. And there's the three does standing there in the middle of the field. And if we continued on to the blind, we would have spooked them. They would have run away. So we stood there for like two minutes trying to figure out what we were going to do. And at that point, it w- we decided to put the stock on as, it's, as it were. And so the deer are in the further eastern part of the field. And they're on a lower portion of it. And we're kind of right on the ridge line. And so we, come, we start moving to the south and come back down um, this little hill so they can't see us moving. So we're moving slow, we're moving along the hill, and then we come up over, and we kind of very stealthily moved, and every time they'd lift their heads up, we would drop down onto a knee or whatever and just stop moving until they went back to feeding. And we probably did that for a solid, it was 20 to 30 minutes, I would guess. The time feels a lot faster when your adrenaline's pumping like Chris's was. I know, I know he was feeling it in that moment. Um, but we were just moving up and I was, I had my rangefinder out. That's how I know you were, you were going, you had some adrenaline pumping cause I was ranging them the whole way. And so we get, we end up getting to about, uh, I think we we're 110 yards and there were th- these does. I mean, they were just beautiful deer out in the field. And I said, okay, pick which one you want and take a shot when you're comfortable. And I'm waiting there and I'm looking down my scope and we're waiting there and I'm sitting there and waiting. And I'm like, I look at him and I'm like, take the shot when you're ready. <laughs> like take the damn shot already. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I'm looking through the scope and I hear, I mean, I hear the shot, I see the impact and I, it looked like a good shot. And, um, you, I think the first words out of your mouth were I missed or I hit bad, or I missed. And I was like, nope, you're good, you're fine. And they all kind of ran away, and and we went out into the field and didn't see anything at first. And I was like, maybe you did miss, but I was pretty sure you didn't. And then, yeah, we found the massive blood trail and followed that. And I remember when we, we were probably 20 yards away, and you were just kind of standing there, and I said, go, go have your moment. And I, I think it's really important for a first-time hunter, especially, like, uh, older older first time hunter like us, we didn't grow up with it. We hadn't experienced this as, as kids, like go have a moment with your, by yourself with the animal that you just harvested. And so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I tried not to watch. I didn't want to intrude, but I kind of was peeking over there and um, yeah, I mean, watching this because I had just experienced this the year before. And so watching it from my perspective was really interesting because he, you know, you said you stood there and kind of looked at it. You kept getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And then when you were finally on it, you know, I remember you telling me like, man, this feels wrong. And we had a whole conversation. And I, I remember telling you like, this is, this is what we were meant to do as human beings. These animals were put on this earth to help feed us and other, and other creatures too. And, you know, what you did is not wrong. It's a hundred percent right. And your family's going to appreciate it. And it, it made, I remember you were kind of frozen in like this place of 
guilt a little bit. And I, and it, that kind of helped pull you out of it. And then we pulled her out back into the field and you took a picture with her and, um, and the pictures, I, I have a weird, like, I don't know. I don't think the pictures are a hundred percent necessary and I can see why they're kind of morbid, but in that moment, like your first harvest, you should, you should commemorate that because it is a big deal and it's special. Um, and yeah, the whole, like the whole gutting process was fun because I, again, I had, uh, I had only done it a couple of times, but you had no idea what you were doing. And so I kind of felt like in that moment, I was the expert and, uh, so getting to teach you how to do it was fun. It was fun. It was cool to like be able to give that knowledge to you. And because I spent like an hour trying to take care of my first deer after I shot it. And it was really hard. Um, so I would have really appreciated somebody there just helping me along with it too. But yeah, it ended up being, it was, I mean, she was a beautiful deer, huge, massive doe. Um, and we, the dragging her out piece of this was way harder than either one of us, I think anticipated because it was probably, it was probably like 400 or 500 yards back to the truck. And, um, that was tough. That was really tough. Uh, but yeah, we got, we got through it. Uh, Chris only said he felt like his heart was going to explode one time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Only the hill. (laughs) Only on the hill. That was pretty terrible. So yeah, it was a, it was an awesome experience like that, putting on the stock in the middle of the field and getting that close. And it was early in the day. It was like two o'clock and delivering a a perfect shot basically and um having a successful harvest on a beautiful deer for your first one um it was really it was really great and it was really awesome for me to experience that on the other end of it um like kind of leading you to that so mm-hmm. yeah now you're a few months removed from it uh what are do you have any more thoughts are you you know where are you at on it at the time cuz at the time you're a little bit uncertain uh you wanted the meat but you didn't like the the act of doing it the killing Um, part of it now i mean yeah the killing part of it yeah so where how do you feel about it now and what are some of your thoughts about it i mean we kind of touched on it earlier like i'll go in waves i mean i again i enjoy buying guns and having you know shooting different guns it's almost like you know trying new beer trying new bourbon like you have your hobbies and it's a hobby I think I'm able to wrap my brain around because when we touched on, you know, Dominic loving it and just eating it all. And, you know, my parents have actually asked me like, Hey, like if you get any more deer, like we'd love some meat. And I've had like uncles and cousins cause they're not into the hunting, like the hunting world and they don't want to go into it. And, you know, it's again, if I look at it and I keep my mind on, you know, this is a chance for me to, be one with you know the world or like mother nature around me and i wouldn't say the world because the world is a crazy place but like the most peaceful part of the world you know nature and i get a chance to do what we were you know meant to do we are hunters we are scavengers and you know in the world today i made a joke um you know we were out and about driving around i'm like i can have this delivered to my house like, i don't even have to leave my house i gotta pay a four extra dollars and we kind of laugh like this is the world we live in like you don't have to move and with a click of a button you can have taco bell or some 
weird like food in front of you and that's not healthy because food like substance of, we're losing or yeah. <laughs> we're losing what we we truly are and i think being keeping that in my head and keep telling myself like this is beneficial to me this is beneficial to my life this is beneficial to my family it's really kind of helped me keep my mind on the path of this isn't a game like i'm not going to be that person that's going to be going out looking for 10 point bucks or you know going out to wyoming and trying to find the biggest rack on like an elk like i'm trying to find something that can help me survive and this is it's a good it's a good thing to have in your arsenal because if things ever were to go you know, there's a shortage on meat because we eat a lot of meat or if there's a shortage on something, I have that ability, if it's the right season, of course, to go out, make a kill, feed my family and keep food on the table. I mean, we've actually almost went through that dough and there's probably about 40 pounds of meat we got out of her and mm-hmm. we we eat it probably once a week. We'll make up the whole ground beef and it'll be completely gone by the end because, you know, Dominic's always digging into it or I'll have something throughout the week. And it makes me realize how how grateful and how much it gave me. But at the same time, I need to be more efficient with this and I need to make sure I'm not wasting my time nor others or the animals time i guess you should say like Mm -hmm. i I can't go out and just start shooting stuff because i'm bored like i need to shoot and remember i'm feeding i'm eating i'm scavenging i'm doing what i am programmed to do and you know still keep that relationship that you've talked about like you know thankful and thanking the animal for what it truly is because a lot of people don't do that i remember reaching out to um, a family member and he was like, you can't come out week one cause we're only shooting bucks and that's for family only. Mm-hmm. And after that, he's yeah. like, Hey, we got a bunch of dough. Come up, come up, come up, come up. I mean, he was constantly inviting me up. It's bad timing, but it just goes to show how some people take this to a game and a trophy and like almost like a dick measuring contest. Like, look at the bug I got. And I'm over here like, yo, I got like 40 pounds of meat in my fridge. Let's eat. Like, I'm just happy as a clam over there. I don't care what's up on my wall. And yeah. again, like, it, I feel like I keep coming back to it, but just I understand that this is the right thing for me to do and to help myself and help my family. And this has helped me grow as a person also. Like, I, I respect what's around me more. Whether or not it's, you know, we've had some snow down here today and you know what? It's climate. It's how things are. I could sit here and cuss the world and sit inside and not do anything. Or I can go out and enjoy myself in the snow with my kid and my dogs. Mm -hmm. So, like, it it helps me enjoy what nature truly is versus, you know, complaining and looking at things in a negative aspect. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I love that attitude. And I think that's important. Um, because at the end of the day, we are all in it for the meat and it's always fun. Like you get the opportunity to take a big buck. I mean, I'll be the first one to say like, I'm really looking forward to that first opportunity, but I've passed on, I've passed on plenty of bucks. Um, because I did, I, I, I believe that it's okay to let them grow. And you know, when there's a hundred does and one buck, you take one of the does anyway, it's, and it's never going to be easy especially for me, I'm an animal lover too. Every time I, every time I have a successful harvest, it's always hard. Um, I, you know, I'm just, I, and if it ever becomes easy, then to me, like maybe that's a problem, but 
So looking at it now, you kind of answered this question, but uh, like, how would you, looking at it now, do you, um, do you feel like if you were to never go out and hunt again, would you really appreciate this experience the, the same way that you thought you would have before? I mean, if I never knew what it was like, I never would have had the chance. And it goes back to understanding that everything that we do has a purpose and creates who we are. I think if I never went out hunting, I'd always, you know, buy my beef jerky. I keep buying from stores, overpaying for expensive, you know, processed food and never really understanding where things came from and how things were done. Um. I think if I never were able to hunt again, I think it would be a little upsetting in my mind because it's it's an experience that has changed me, I think, for the better. And it's weird saying that because you, you kill an animal, but it, it brought a new outlook on life. And I think even during that whole process, it helped me change, I guess you should say, how I even look at things in my own life, even before that, I mean, it was Thanksgiving weekend, so it was something great to be thankful for. And I think I posted about that, sure. and, you know, shared my first harvest and I tagged you in it. And I was like, I appreciate like everything that you've done for me and every like being thankful. And mm -hmm. it, it helped shape me now because during that time I was coaching sports, I'm teaching. I was actually on the verge of being like, I'm just done. I don't want to teach anymore. I don't want to coach anymore. Like this isn't what I want to do with my life. And I was looking at things in a very negative aspect. And then once I had my first harvest and kill, I started looking at things in more of a positive light and, you know, finding different things to tell myself, trying to rewire my brain. And I think that was an opportunity for me to be more thankful about the things around me and what is coming to me versus, you know, why can't I have the nicest things? Like, why does this person get this? But mm -hmm. I don't get anything. Like, you know, I work like I do this. I'm busting my ass over here. And I was looking at a lot of things with a glass half empty kind of mentality. So I really yeah. think even if I were never able to hunt again, I think the opportunity that was given to me and the people around me who helped me with the opportunity to have my first harvest kind of helped change that pathway I was going down. Because quite frankly, it, it was. It was a very complaining lifestyle. I'd come home. I wasn't like happy around my own child. And that's that's horrible yeah. for him. Like he's happy as a clam. Like he doesn't understand. And he doesn't understand like the negative energy that was around our house yet. But that yeah. wasn't right as me as a father. And I think that being grateful for life and being grateful for the things that are around me were really brought to light when I had that first kill. And it's a horrible thing to say. Like you just killed an animal and it, it changed your outlook on things. But just sitting there and, you know, it really able to think about stuff with no negative energy coming one way or another. And yeah. you're kind of thankful for like the little thing. I mean, if that was the only thing I did all year, it, I was thankful for it. And it really helped yeah. kind of mold the lifestyle I kind of changed. And there was a flip of script in my life after that. Like, I was a little more happier. I was a little more bouncier, like bickering between my wife and I weren't, it wasn't as intense as it used to be. Like I would love to come home even though I was exhausted and Dominic running my arms and I was just happy as a clam. 
I mean, how he's saying yeah. I love you, so it even melts your heart a little bit more. And <laughs> it, it's it, it's an experience that I'll always will cherish. But if it's never able to happen again, happen again, I will always be able to look back upon it and just remember how positive it was for me and for the opportunity yeah. in my life. Great, man. That's really awesome perspective. I, I think that's, that's a great message. So yeah. Do you, so do you have any closing thoughts or statements? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put a bow on this bad boy. Um, unless you have something else you want to throw in there. I guess for anyone who's listening and hasn't hunted before, it, it's called being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And, and that's how you learn how you truly are. I mean, you right. never think you want to kill something. You never think that you want to see a, a life perish. Like I wouldn't wish any horrible things, even like an ACL tear on people we'd play against in football. Like I would never wish any harm upon anybody, but yeah. at the same time, it's an experience that I feel like everyone should be able to have at least once in their life because it shows you what you can do as a person if you dig deep and Again, it's uncomfortable, but once you are able to be comfortable with it, you're going to find out who you truly are. And I think that's something that yeah. hunting is going to allow for me to do because it's going to put me in some tough situations and stuff like that. And you have to do what you have to do to provide for you and your family. Yeah, love it. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's fantastic. Um, real quick, I want to shout out to Apsy Farms. Apsy Farms has been a huge supporter of the podcast. They've obviously been extremely kind to me and those close to me. Um, they are based out of Reed City, Michigan. They are a pasture farm that practices regenerative agriculture. And if you're interested in seeing what Apsy Farms is all about, go to apsyfarms.com. Check it out. Build yourself a meat bundle. They're building a new fulfillment center right now, and it's very large, and it's going to be awesome. When you build your meat bundle, use code WARRIOR10 for 10% off your first order. And make sure you say what's up to Kyle and Bob and the rest of the Apsy clan. And until next week, everyone, we will see you while you discover your warrior within.